Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41, and uh, we're gonna pray. Did I leave my coffee over here? Yeah, that's a tactical error. Let's uh, rectify that. If you didn't get a handout, you can put your hand up. Just keep them up. Somebody from the Connections team will hook you up, but we're gonna pray, and we're gonna get to work. We got a lot to cover this morning, and so turn to your neighbor and tell them, wake up, get ready to work. All right. Father, we come to you today in Jesus' name, and Lord, we want to just acknowledge that God, you are awesome. You do all things well. To you and you alone be all the glory and the honor and the praise. God, we want to give you thanks for Blade. We want to give you thanks for Dan, Pastor Dan. Um, what a faithful brother, what a faithful minister, and, and Lord, the work continues to to, to multiply. Here, the first work that was uh, uh, one of the first generations of churches that were planted out of this church, to see that now begin to, to multiply uh, effective, mature leadership is, is just a wonderful thing. God, help us to work the plan that you so clearly lay out in your word. Help us to never lose sight of the vision that you've given us as a local church. Lord, we wanna be found faithful. And so, Lord, would you bless this time that we have in Genesis 41. Help us to see that we're gonna face rough times in life. We're gonna face rough times in ministry. And God, you're even using that to your glory. Lord, don't, don't let any of us get away in a rough patch, throwing a pity party for ourselves, growing weary and well-doing. Lord, help us to know and believe what you promised, what you said in your word. God, you're with us and you work all things together for good. Lord, this, this life is designed to test us. Will we be found faithful? Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Let, let your word increase their faith. Don't let the enemy, don't let them, let the enemy steal their faith. Don't let the enemy steal their reward at the judgment seat. Lord, help them to be found faithful. We wanna be found faithful even in the midst of trials and suffering. God, we give you praise, we give you glory. Do what only you can do. You're God, we're your people. Let your word speak to us this morning, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so in chapter 41, it's such a big chapter, we're not gonna actually cover the whole chapter this morning, but here in this first half of the chapter, we're gonna see jo Joseph go from bondage, from imprisonment to blessing, uh, from imprisonment to empowerment. Uh, let's look at verses one through eight. We're gonna label this section God's ways, his providential ways, and here Pharaoh, I don't know, man, I mean, he had some wild Peter or whatever, but God used it and he has two dreams and they freak him out. Look at verse one. And it came to pass at the end of two full years. Man, whenever, have you ever noticed when you're miserable, time just crawls? Uh, being on a long haul flight, one of the, I mean, just so, like my, my sit bones punch through my cheek meat setting in those, I mean, it's just like agony. I was like, how do they design these airline seats to be devices, instruments of torture like that. And it's just, I'm like, I, I don't know if I can walk, you know? And so you're praying, oh God, please let me sleep. I wanna, I wanna leapfrog through time. I, want, I can't sleep on the planes. I mean, I, got, I take Benadryl. I take, uh, I take uh, what's it, what is it, um, NyQuil, uh, melatonin, I mean, whatever. I, I just, I wanna sleep through. The, I just want it to pass. And, and uh, that whole time, you're just, you keep, you keep making the mistake. Only one minute passed, you know, I fell asleep and it was only one minute and this flight is never gonna end. 
Time crawls when you're miserable. Two full years, he's in bondage, he's in prison because he did what? The right thing. All he's ever been is faithful and now he's, now he's suffering for it. So this is gonna be forever in his heart and mind. Picture yourself in a situation like that. Would you grow weary in well-doing? Would you lose faith? Time crawls when you're miserable. Um, a great example, you, you know, if you, if you wanted to experience that, just marry a monster because marriage is a commitment until death do you part. And so you're married to this miserable monster. Oh yeah, you, you'll, you'll learn real quick what eternity is like. Uh, you will be praying, it's like meatloaf, right, on paradise by the dashboard. Like he's just praying for the end of time so he can just get on with whatever comes, all right? I, 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 he's, he's passed now, he, he, he's with whatever. I, I never heard of a, a, a profession of faith from, from meatloaf, but. There it is. So at the end of two full years, here it is, Pharaoh dreamed. And behold, he stood by the river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine, uh, kine as cattle, and fat-fleshed, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kine came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kind did eat up the seven well-favored and, flat, and fat kind. So Pharaoh woke. Okay, well, if you dreamt about cannibalistic cows, that would wake you up too. You know, sometimes you have a dream that's so crazy and it's so bad, you wake up and then you're like, oh, thank God it was just a dream. Well, that's Pharaoh. You know, oh, he's, he probably said, thank Ra. It's just a dream. And then he goes back, you know, gets a glass of milk, eats a cookie, goes back to bed. Verse five, and he slept, and he, the Bible says, and dreamed the second time, and behold, seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good. Rank, the way we use the word rank is maybe uh, somebody goes a little too in on the chili, okay? And then it's, as it's working its way through them, stuff's coming out of them, and we, and we say, oh my goodness, you are rank, okay? The word rank doesn't mean stinky, it means full, right? It means fat. The word rank means fat fleshed, okay? It means strong. Uh, so in other words, it, it, it still means what you're saying whenever you criticize someone over what they ate. Uh, your rank, well, that's, a, that's a fat smell. <laughs> so here they are, seven ears, right? Rank and good. And behold, seven thin ears and blasted with the Blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. So it's like, a, it's, it's like, yeah, there's a famine. And these other thin ears now are suffering because of it. And then here it is again, and the seven ears, right? The seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled. Okay, again, mutant corn, eating other corn, that would freak you out. So he called, right? He sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof, and Pharaoh told them his dream. But there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. So don't miss the theme of what we're seeing in the life of Joseph. Pharaoh has two dreams. That's a theme. Joseph is connected to two dreams over and over again. Remember the chief baker, the chief butler? There's two dreams that he's interpreting. But here in verse 32, what we're gonna see, he says the dream comes twice, two different versions of the exact same dream. That means it's of God and it's coming soon. 
Uh, That's gonna be the conclusion that Joseph is going to give to Pharaoh over the rough night that he had uh, the night before. But, but, but it, again, it's, it's two dreams that Pharaoh has given. You know, Joseph in chapter 37, we saw him have two dreams, and he gave the interpretation, or he gave the dream. He didn't even give the interpretation. He, they knew, the family knew what the interpretation was. He gives his, those dreams to his family, and he ends up suffering for it. That's how he ends up in bondage. And then in prison, we've got a, butcher, or a baker and a, and a butler Two different dreamers, each dream a dream. It's still two dreams in chapter 40, and, and he has hope now that he can be delivered from his prison, and it doesn't happen. But here, two full years later, Pharaoh has two dreams. The first, again, very quickly, seven fat cows feeding in a meadow, followed by seven skinny cows eating, cannibalistic cows eating the fat cows. Uh, I couldn't find art for a cannibalistic cow eating another cow, as you might imagine. And so my son's working on AIs at school, and so I had him have, ask an AI to give me a cannibalistic cow. And so what those are, the bones of the cow that the, 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 the skinny cow just consumed. Anyway, that's how the AI draw, drew it. It's kind of cool. For whatever that's worth. Okay, so and then that's followed by seven, a second dream, right? Seven plump ears of corn, rank or plump or fat, followed by seven shriveled ears of corn that devour the plump ears. Okay, so now two points to keep in mind as we look at this. Number one, the magicians, right? He's asking them, I need an interpretation. What, what, what's this dream about? Uh, they were experts in the occult, in signs. Uh, they were experts in divination. They were experts in the interpretation of dreams, and they're stumped. Uh, even though he say, this east wind took out the ears of corn, they can't figure it out. The other thing to keep in mind is that here is a Gentile king. God is making sure the Gentile civilized world knows that disaster is coming. Uh, this is Proverbs 21 verse one. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of waters. He turneth it whithersoever he will. He is working in the heart of Pharaoh. He understands the urgency of what's happened and he has to get an answer and this is the means by which he's going to, to, to see Joseph delivered out of prison and put into a place where he now functions fully as a picture or a type of Christ. Joseph will be the man that God uses to save the entire, he will effectively be, function as a savior to the entire civilized world. God's using this king to change the destiny of a, of a young Hebrew child uh, or a young Hebrew man uh, to change the world. You, you see the same thing in Daniel chapter two. There God uses another Hebrew slave to show another of the most powerful of Gentile rulers that no nation is beyond God's reach. Remember Nebuchadnezzar's dream and he dreams of that image and and nobody, same thing, it's the same, it's the same story. They, nobody can tell him what the, what the dream means and so it takes a, a young Hebrew man to come in and tell him the word of the Lord. Read the story of Esther. There's another example of another sleepless, gent, all-powerful Gentile ruler, this sleepless king. God uses that to inevitably lead to the deliverance of the Jews during the time of Persian rule. Uh, the Bible keeps telling 
The same story over and over and over again. Anytime you find repetition in scripture, that's the Bible emphasizing something to you of great importance. As you compare scripture with scripture, as you, as you compare spiritual things with spiritual things, there are truths that God is going to impart to you. What, what truth is being, parted, is being imparted here? Okay, well, we're gonna trust the Lord to see that this morning. Look at, um, let's look at verses nine through 13. We're gonna, we're gonna title this section God's wisdom, God's perfect wisdom. Then the chief, then the, uh, uh, yeah, verse nine. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. And then he recounts what happened over two years ago. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants and put me in ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream in one night, I and he. We dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was there with us a young man in Hebrew, servant to the captain of the guard. And we told him, we told him our dreams. We told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams. To each man according to his dream did he interpret. And it came to pass as he interpreted to us, so it was. Me he restored unto mine office, and him he hanged. This kid told me exactly what was gonna happen, and that's exactly what happened. You restored me, and you took out the chief baker. So what's happening here? God is now using the butler to time out his response to Pharaoh and Egypt's need. Ultimately, to see the, 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 the family of Jacob, the nation of Israel, rescued out of this great famine that's coming. It's gonna be seven years that without some supernatural intervention, Uh, no flesh will be saved, right? It'll be the destruction of humanity in this region. So God's using the butler to time it all out. You know, Joseph, there he is in prison. He doesn't throw a pity party and quit. He doesn't quit on God. He doesn't quit on himself. Uh, He doesn't just say, this is hopeless, and then commit suicide. He doesn't do that. I mean, everything was against him, and he remained faithful. God God uses this faithful man, why? Because he's there, he's available, he's willing to move forward in faith, even in the midst of horrible circumstances. Joe had to stay in a place where the, where, the, where the chief butler could find him. If Joe would have gotten out of prison earlier, I mean, you know, this butler doesn't even remember Joe's name, okay? Like, there's no way, if Joe was off out in civilized world somewhere, they're never gonna find him, so he's gotta stay put so that when it's time to give an answer to a big problem, an unsolvable problem, Joe's there ready to give the word of the Lord. So God was using his imprisonment to time out his deliverance of the nation of Israel from this famine. Man, praise the Lord. So many times we look at our circumstances and we say, why am I suffering so? God, why does it, you know, when we get through a pity party, God, why does it please you to watch me suffer? And the whole time, you know, God's using that to, to teach us, to show us that we can be found faithful in the face, in the midst of any trial, in the face of any attack. With God, all things are possible. So here it is now in verses 40, 14 through 44, we see God's will. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. So yeah, shave in a shower, new clothes. Don't, remember, remember the baker. 
do not offend the Pharaoh. Right, don't offend the king. He will, he will kill you for stinking up his throne room. Okay, so he gets cleaned up, and then now God uses Joseph to deliver his people. Delivered is your next blank. Here, the, there's this, this is like the big dramatic change, the dramatic turn in the narrative of Joseph's life. God now is moving to reveal his plan for the world. And so here's the picture that we're gonna see, okay? Moving forward, Joseph is going to clearly be revealed as a type or a picture of Christ. There are many pictures, there are many types, many illustrations in the Bible that teach you other spiritual truths. A lot of people in scripture illustrate for you the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and as you study their life, you get insight into the person, the personality of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, and, and, and Joseph, of all characters in the Bible, Joseph and Daniel, there's nothing negative, there's no sin recorded in their life. Joseph functions for us as what we call a perfect type of Christ. And so we're gonna see Joseph revealed as such, and, and so get this down in your notes. What we're gonna see is Joseph revealing himself to his brethren for who he is in the second visitation. The first time his brethren, his brethren see him after many years, they don't recognize him for who he is. As a matter of fact, they feel rejected. Uh, they, they, they they, if they could, they would reject him. The problem is he's got all the power. Uh, but it's not until the second visitation, right? His, his, brother, his brothers will not recognize him in his first coming, in his first visitation, but they will in the second. Okay, so think about Romans chapter 11. What happened in the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, in the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Jewish people conspired with us, the Gentile, uh, uh, the, the Gentile nations, to murder our Messiah, uh, to kill our Creator. Well, in the second coming, they'll see Him for who He is. Romans chapter 11 says that the coming of Christ, all of Israel will be saved. They will recognize Him in his second visitation. And Joseph basically illustrates that. Keep a finger here, look at chapter 45. Uh, when he reveals himself to his brethren, um, it's Joseph and, and once they see him for who he is, they're like, uh-oh, we're dead. <laughs> and here's how he responds. Jer uh, uh, Genesis chapter 45, verse five. Now therefore be not grieved, nor be angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For yet there are five, uh, God, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and, there are f uh, and, there, and yet there are five years in which the land, in which there shall neither be earing or, nor harvest. There, there won't be sowing or reaping. Uh, five years, it's gonna be bad. God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance so now it was not you that sent me hither, but God, that he, and here it is, and he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout the land of Egypt. I have basically been proclaimed uh, or been promoted to taking care of Pharaoh himself, just as Jesus Christ, right, functions as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Joseph must rule over all. So I look at that, and just for our Bible school students, just something to put in the back of your mind. Seven years of famine would be a picture, a type of what? The coming time of great 
right? There's a time of tribulation coming. And, and uh, you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, when you see the abomination of desolation. You remember Daniel's prophecy where this man of sin, that wicked one, he makes a seven-year covenant between Israel and the, and the Gentile nations of the world. In the midst of that three and a half years, according to Revelation chapter 13, uh, there'll be an assassination attempt on his life. It will take, uh, he has a grievous head wound. But uh, then, and my money's on, three days later, the grievous head wound heals. Now, now the Antichrist, let me pull out my air quotes, resurrects as Satan incarnate. And the whole world wonders after him. And now, according to 2 Thessalonians 2.2, he goes into the temple of God as God, showing himself that he is God. He defiles this shortly coming future third temple on the Temple Mount, demanding worship to himself. Okay, that's called the abomination of desolations. Daniel prophesied it. Jesus reminded his followers of it and said, when you see it, flee to the Judean wilderness, okay? Well, okay, what happens so that whenever that, that event takes place in the midst of the, the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy, in the midst of this, in the midst of this uh, seven-year peace treaty, why will they all of a sudden, some of these Jews, believe the words of Jesus from Matthew 24? I think that uh, something in the second year is gonna get everybody's attention. That's what I think. Now, I can't prove that, but my money's on Israel starting to wake up to the truth of who Jesus really was in the second year of Daniel's 70th week because it follows the story that we're seeing. In the second year of this fam famine, Joseph's brethren start to see him, right? They finally see him for who he is. Uh, so whatever it is, something's gonna happen to prime many in Israel to understand that when the abomination of desolations takes place, according to Jesus in Matthew 24, when you see that, run. Don't stop to pack. Don't try to take care of anything. Just immediately flee to the Judean wilderness because that's the place where God will supernaturally protect them and provide for them. You actually read about that in Revelation chapter 12. So, you know, whenever it's all said and done, once their deliverer comes, then you can mark it down. Romans chapter 11, all Israel is saved. Uh, all, all of the remnant that's, that's, that's preserved through that seven years uh, will believe on Jesus. All right, point number two. In verses 15 through 37, what we're seeing, what we're gonna see next is Joseph is shown to be an interpreter of dreams, okay? He is the one who is the revealer of secrets. Okay, he, he has to be this because he's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ in scripture. You know, Psalms 25, 14 says, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And here's Joseph, he's got a relationship with the Lord. He stays full of faith, he's walking with God. And so when the world, need to, when the world needs to know what's going on, when the world need, needs answers from the Lord, uh, Joseph has them, he has those answers. He's able to declare them. Well, that's the way it is today. Right? That's the same in the church age. The world is facing coming judgment, coming catastrophe. You wanna talk about eternity in hell. You wanna talk about a famine? Think about eternity separated from God in a lake of fire. Well, we have a secret that must be proclaimed. Christ in us, the hope of glory. How? Well, man, listen to the glorious good news, the glorious gospel. We have, we have the answer to what a lost world desperately needs, the way of salvation. And this is why Jesus came. This is why Jesus gave us this great message. 
John 15, 15, Jesus tells the disciples, henceforth I call you not servants. For a servant, right, the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Man. This is full of the, 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 the Lord Jesus Christ, right? The voice of the Lord speaking all of his mind, all of his secrets, all of his heart, right? All of his plans directly to you and I. How privileged are we to have this book? You know, God help us. In terms of the flesh, uh, we're more entertained by Netflix than we are by the word of God. This is the mind of Christ. You wanna see Jesus? You wanna hear the Lord Jesus Christ? Look into his face, right? Get with him face to face in his word and he will speak to you. It's amazing to me. Nothing gets me in the, in the feels like this book. You know, I can watch a movie, I can watch a TV series and enjoy that. But then, you know how it is, you're reading the word of God and, the word, and, and while you're reading it, it's reading you and the word of God speaks to you and the next thing you know, you're on the floor. Oh God, you're awesome. Thank you, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. God help us to be addicted to his word, amen? I've called you friends. This is, this is the letter of a friend to you. And it's God himself. Man, I pray we treasure it. All right, verse 15, here it is. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. Well, that's not technically true. <laughs> He's talking to the man who has the answers. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me, God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Okay, that is a big key in verse 16. You ought to to make a note in the margin of your Bible right there. God has the answers. Any problem, any spiritual issue, any spiritual, emotional, mental problem, any difficulty that you're facing, any trial, right, Any, any burden, right, any hurt, the word of God has something to say about how to respond to it. So this is always great counsel. When people are looking for help, they're looking for answers. Uh, You know, if they do it in a way that seems right to them, they'll go looking for answers in all the wrong places, okay? But God has you in the life of people to point them to God's word, to God's answers. You know, the dreams of Pharaoh are gonna have great prophetic implications. God is talking to Pharaoh. He's using him to make sure that he gets the data set that he needs in order to navigate humanity through this great crisis. And so God makes, it's, he's pleased to make his counsel known to this Gentile king. Uh, just like Nebuchadnezzar had a troubling dream. What's God doing? God's telling the Gentile nations, Gentile, the Gentile rulers of this world throughout all ages of the times of the Gentiles from the, from the, from the uh, removal of Israel uh, uh, it, from the land, first by the Assyrians and then the Babylonians. From that point, right, the, the Israeli people have had to deal with Gentile predominance. From that point till the time of Christ's coming, okay, what, that's, that's, the, that's the time frame that Nebuchadnezzar dreams about. So what does this statue mean? Head of gold, silver, right, brass, iron, 
iron and miry clay. You know, as it comes from the, the golden head to the mixed toes of miry clay and iron, these, these, these different elements of this statue represent the different kingdoms of this world leading up to Christ's return to obliterate the times of the Gentiles and to set up his rule. It's like, what is this dream all about? Well, yeah, a Hebrew boy had to come in and make known to him what was gonna take place, what was shortly gonna come to pass. Daniel chapter two, the king answered and said unto Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, the secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets. I don't know everything, but I know someone who does. That's Daniel's response. And maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions upon thy head, uh, of thy head and upon thy bed are these. And then he fills them in. Here's what's gonna happen to your rule. Jeremiah 42 verse four. Jeremiah the prophet said unto them, I have heard you, behold I will pray unto the Lord your God according to your words and it shall come to pass that whatsoever thing the Lord shall answer you, I will declare it unto you. I will keep nothing back from you. And brothers and sisters, what, what Joseph faithfully does, speaking to this Gentile authority, what Daniel did in speaking to Nebuchadnezzar, what Jeremiah did in faithfully declaring the word of the Lord, they are showing us our responsibility the world is lost, the world is in a bind, the world's in a jam, and you and I, we have the answers. So we need to stay full of faith, right? We need to be praying. This is why we're in the middle of two weeks of prayer and fasting, why? Well, because we can't get the lost to listen to us about the, you know, over the terms of the glorious gospel, and they desperately need it. We don't wanna, we don't wanna approach people with no open door, no, 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 no opportunity to give the good news of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we need to ask the Lord. So what, two weeks of prayer and fasting because we're calling on God. We're making all kinds of prayers for all kinds of men because God is willing that all would be saved. And so we're praying and we're seeking the Lord for those open doors. And then we go to the lost and we invite them to start Bible study with us. Can I show you what the revealer of secrets what he, is, what, he has, what he has revealed for you, how the word of God applies to your life and your situation. Whatever the Lord says, that's what we need to declare. Let's keep nothing back. Let's give the full counsel of God's word. Let's never, sub, let's never substitute for what, you know, look at what the word says. Let's don't substitute that for our opinions or what we think. Let's be faithful messengers. Let's communicate to people the word of God has something to say about your problem. Thus saith the Lord, here it is, book, chapter, verse. See what it says, do you understand what it means? Here's how it applies to your life. Verse 17, and Pharaoh said unto Joseph, in my dream, behold, I stood upon the bank of the river, and behold, there came up out of the river seven kine, seven cattle, fat-fleshed and well-favored, and they fed in the meadow, in a meadow, and behold, Seven other kind came up after them, poor and ill, very ill favored and lean fleshed. Such as I never saw in all the land of Egypt for badness. I've never seen cows this rough. And the lean and the ill favored kind did eat up the first seven fat kind. And when they'd eaten them up, it could not be known that they had eaten them, but they were still ill favored as at the beginning. 
And so I awoke. Okay, so, you know, that first dream, you could chalk that up to bad pita bread and shawarma. But, uh, you know, after his milk and cookie, he goes back to bed and he tells the story, verse 22, and I saw in my dream, and behold, seven ears came up in one stalk, full and good. See that word full? That's the rank, right? It's, it's it, fat, fat ears. And behold, seven ears withered thin and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the thin ears devoured the seven good ears. And I told this unto the, unto the magicians, and there was none that could declare it to me. And Joseph, here it is, said to Pharaoh, said unto Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh is one. They both give the exact same message. The dream of Pharaoh is one. God hath showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good kind are seven years, and the seven good, the seven good ears are seven years. The dream is one. So both in terms of cattle and produce, right? Your food supply, you're getting the same message. The dream is one. The seven ill, a thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them are, are seven years. And the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. And the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh, what God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. And there shall arise after them seven years of famine. And all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt. And the famine shall consume the land. And the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of the famine following, for it shall be very grievous. So these seven years of blessing, these seven years of fruitfulness will not, right, absent divine intervention, will not sustain humanity through the seven years of famine. Uh, You won't even remember the time of plenty. So here it is, what we're getting is a warning to Pharaoh from God that this famine is gonna be, the, the the text says, very grievous, very grievous. Starving to death, very grievous. (laughs) Well, this is what Christ did in his first coming. Didn't he he warn us of an eternal famine to come? In his earthly ministry, he's always preaching. Uh, He preached more on hell than he ever did on heaven. What's he doing? He's warning of a danger to come. Joseph continues, verse 32, and for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice, because the thing is established by God, and here it is, and God will shortly bring it to pass. These seven years of of plenty are right around the corner, and they will be followed by the worst famine the world has ever seen. God will shortly bring it to pass. So here's the solution. It is interesting. We saw this in the beginning of our study in Genesis. In Genesis chapter three, verse 15, we saw the very first prophecy in scripture, didn't we? And here it is, the seed of the woman, he'll be a skull crusher. And he, you, you know, Satan, you're gonna injure him, but he will destroy you. And so re- remember what we saw from that point forward, Satan is attacking the seed of the woman. Uh, why isn't this famine in China? Why isn't this famine in Russia? Why is it right there in the, the epicenter of the civilized world? Satan's attacking the seed of the woman. In Genesis chapter four, we see Cain attack Abel and kill him. By Genesis chapter six, all flesh is corrupted. I mean, that's what it says. All flesh is corrupted before the Lord. It's corrupted in his sight. God had to set, hit the reset button on humanity. 
Then when you know, Abraham is selected, remember the patriarchs, they're having trouble having babies. What's, what's up with that? Well, here it is right now. Satan's like, he's, he's going, literally going scorched earth in his goal of making sure that the people of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, are wiped out once and for all. Well, God's gonna raise up a savior. How's that gonna happen? Well, God reveals the secrets to Jacob. Jacob knows, or, uh, Joseph rather, Joseph knows exactly what to do. Look at verse 33. Now therefore let Pharaoh look out a wise man, or look out a, a man discreet and, discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this, let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. There's gonna be so much abundance. If we just take one fifth of that abundance, it will, it will sustain humanity through the seven year famine. It's gonna be that great. Which, by the way, they're doing that. You know, remember Joseph is a revealer of secrets. I don't think it was hidden that Egypt believed that they were storing up against a catastrophe. So anybody in Egypt could have done the same thing. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna splurge. We're gonna live. We're gonna live on a fifth, or we'll live on two fifths, but we'll store up another two fifths. Does that make sense? If you can live on seven years for a fifth of that bounty, that means everybody's rich in these first seven years. So they, everybody could have done what Joseph did and stored up against a famine. So let them gather the fifth part, right? Take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years, verse 35. And let them gather all the food of those good years that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities and that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through the famine. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. So here it is, Joseph is just telling the king everything that God said. Okay, that again is Joseph as a type of Christ. Jesus did the exact same thing. He said, I'm just simply proclaiming to you what God has said, John chapter eight, verse 28. Jesus, then said Jesus unto them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. Jesus didn't come to, to bring a, a word different than the word of his Father. He said what he heard from the Father, chapter 12, verse 49. I've not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. Jesus, opened, I'm just gonna say what God said, that's it. John 17, verse seven. Now they have known all things. He's praying to the Father, right? They've known all things. Whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. They know I'm just telling them what you told me to tell them. Okay, so here it is. Here's a dream. Comes two different times, two different versions. So it's of God. It's coming soon. Joseph, he's the man of two dreams, right? Again, chapter 37. Two dreams he gives to his family. What does he get for that? Sold into slavery. They wanted to kill him. Two dreamers in prison in chapter 40. What does he get for that? Well, two more years of imprisonment. And now two dreams by Pharaoh. What's happening? Okay, Joseph is just telling Pharaoh what God already told him. And so get this down. Two keys as you study your Bible. Number one, the Bible is self-interpreting. Anytime you see symbolic language, it gives you the interpretation, either in the immediate context or someone else. Usually it's in the immediate context, 
But if not, it will be somewhere else in scripture. God doesn't leave you guessing about what his word says. It is a, this is a self-interpreting book. You wanna know what something means? Study the Bible and it'll tell you what it's saying. And then number two, again, repetition is very important in the word of God. Verse 32, Joseph tells him the, the dream was doubled to you. The, the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. Why, because this is a great truth that you better pay attention to. Your life hangs in the balance. Well, the same thing in scripture, right? All scripture is profitable. Uh, how, well, how do, we, how, do, how do we make sure the, the, the scripture profits us? Well, we need to study to show ourselves approved unto God. Well, how do we do that? Isaiah chapter 28 tells you, First uh, Corinthians chapter two tells you it says we study the word of God. It's, it's here a little, there a little. It's by comparing scripture with scripture, line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept. As you compare the word of God with itself, it will speak to you in these important themes that are critical to your spiritual well-being. They will be redoubled to you. They will be repeated to you. God will use that to give emphasis. The big, the big ticket items in scripture, God makes sure that you can't miss them. You say, well, I miss stuff all the time. I mean, I read my Bible and it doesn't, I, I can't get anything out of it. You have come to the right place. We want to put you with some people that are gonna start helping you, helping you learn the word of God for yourself. Okay, you don't have to come to the Bible and say that book is impossible to understand. No, it will open itself up to you. It will reveal, man, the Lord Jesus Christ wants to reveal the secrets of his mind, the secrets of his word to you. You can learn the word of God. You can learn it for yourself. Reprioritize your life. Make time for it. Study to show yourself approved unto God. Be a workman in the word. The Bible declares some people will stand in Jesus' presence giving an account for the life that they've lived. They're saved, they're born again. What did, you, what did you do with your salvation? They gotta give an account for that. And they're ashamed. The Lord said it this way, my people perish for lack of knowledge. You know, ignorance of the law is an excuse for, it's not an excuse for you to get to go break it. God's revealed his word to you be like Samuel, don't let it fall to the ground. Hoard it into your, right, take it up into your heart and your mind. Um, we wanna help you do that. Uh, this is a place where you can learn the word of God for yourself. All right, so God's showing Pharaoh what he will do so that Pharaoh would know what he should do. So Joseph advise, advises Pharaoh to choose a wise man who would oversee the storing of 20% of the grain during the years of plenty for the coming seven years of famine. This is, a, this is just a basic principle in God's word. You see this over and over. The principle of laying up for a rough time, for a hard season. Uh, it's, a, it's a basic pr principle of, of good, practical, godly living. You lay up for the future. All right, verse 38. And Pharaoh said, you know, some people don't think you should lay up for the future. Uh, you know, God's just gonna supply all your need. Yeah, he did that by telling you in his word to lay up for the future. <laughs> so do that, okay? Do what the Bible says. You need to learn how to live on less than 100% of your income 
some of you, some of you like if you just lived on 100% of your income, that'd be a vast improvement. Um, you don't live beyond your means, but learn how to do much with little so that you've gotten an opportunity to lay up uh, for winter, for, for a rough season. All right, verse 38. Here's the, this is the, this is the moment at the end of all the Star Wars movies, you know. Everybody's standing, everybody's celebrating. Okay, so here it is. Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such a one as this? Uh, can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? So he recognizes that Joseph's words had supernatural power. There was an anointing on this man. Who was who like this? I mean, look, it's obvious. Look at the Spirit of God himself on this young man. He's got the hookup. Well, that's the way it works, right? I mean, that's, that's, that, that's how people viewed Christ. Matthew chapter seven. It came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. In chapter 13, verse 54, when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, and so much that they were astonished and said, whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Chapter seven, John, chapter seven, verse 45, then came the officers to the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they said unto him, why have you not brought him? How come Jesus isn't here in chains? Well, here's the answer. Never spake a man like this man. So as it was with Christ, that's, you know, Christian, Christian, little Christ, follower of Christ, little, little picture of Christ, that's who I'm talking to. You are, your life is to be a type of Christ, and so also, right, the followers of Christ when we speak, the world, the world ought to see that we're speaking the words of God. In Acts chapter four, verse 13, they saw the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. So Pharaoh says, who's like this guy? So, verse 39, Pharaoh said unto Joseph, for as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house and according to all, the, according to unto all thy words, shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. Practically, you're the man. You're running this. I, I turn it over to you, Joe. Practically, you're the man. Pharaoh said unto Joseph, "See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt." And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand, and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. Remember how Christ is arrayed and robed, right? Remember his vestiture and his garments and, his, and the implements of Christ and his rule and reign. Uh, that's what we're seeing pictured here in Joseph. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had and they cried before him, bow the knee. Let every knee bow, let every tongue confess that Joseph is in charge. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt and Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. You have absolute power in this place. Okay, two full year, two more years in prison. What was God doing with that? Well, he was Romans chapter, I mean, he was Romans chapter eight in it. That's what he was doing. All things work together for good to them that, that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. God took all the fallout from every every evil from everyone in Joseph's life and he used it to accomplish the saving of the world. 
If you went through what Joseph went through, you would say no one's ever suffered like Joseph. And yet God took all of that to work great good, to work, to work out his saving grace in the lives of people. You take the good, you take the bad, and there you have, <laughs> right? Uh, if you're from the 80s, you know what that is. Okay, so that's just life. God will take the good, he'll take the bad, and he'll work it all together for your good. He'll work it all together for his glory. Genesis 50, verse 20, Joseph says as much, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Esther 4, verse 14. Who knoweth whether thou art coming to the kingdom for such a time as this? God's working it all together for your good, for the good of those that you can influence for his glory. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 8 says, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. It's like uh, LFBI, it's like our Bible school, right? The beginning of a semester is fun, but uh, the end takes a lot of work. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. I like how Arthur Pink describes this. He says, Joseph in due time was delivered from prison. Joseph had been rejected by his brethren and treated unjustly and cruelly by the Egyptians. Through no fault of his own, he'd been cast into prison, but God did not suffer him to end his days there. The place of shame and suffering was to be exchanged for one of high dignity and glory. The throne was to supplant the dungeon. And now that God's time for this had arrived, nothing could hinder the accomplishment of his purpose. So it was with our blessed Lord. Israel might despise and reject him. Wicked hands might take and crucify him. The powers of darkness might rage against him. His lifeless body might be taken down, laid in the tomb, the sepulcher sealed, and a watch set. But it was not possible that he should be holden of death. Acts 2.24. No, on the third day, he rose again in triumph over the grave, leaving uh, the, 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 the creaments of death behind him. How beautifully this was prefigured in the case of Joseph. Then Pharaoh, called, Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. So there's a picture of resurrection. And he shaved himself and changed his raiment, came in unto Pharaoh. As a type of Christ, Joseph ultimately was exalted to rule over all. And just as Joseph was set in a place of power given to him by Pharaoh, so also Christ. Peter says it this way, 1 Peter 3.22, Jesus, who has gone into heaven and is, at the, is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made, being made subject unto him. Acts 5.31, him, Jesus, hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Hebrews 2.9, we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Look at how he has been exalted. Well, so also his followers. Watch this. Look at, look at, look at the followers of Jesus following in his footsteps. Acts chapter five, verse 19. The angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Jesus says it this way in Revelation 3.21, to him that overcometh I will grant to sit with me in my throne. Yeah, you are in prison. I'm setting you free to preach the good news. Tell them everything I told you to tell them. 
Will you be found faithful to do just that? To follow in the footsteps of your Joseph? To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. Pink again says Joseph's authority and glory are publicly owned and he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had and they cried before him, bow the knee and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. On the day of Pentecost, Peter said to the Jews who had condemned and crucified the Savior, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. You know, Joseph was faithful. All he was was faithful in his father's house. And his brothers wanted to kill him for it. They sold him out for it. He was faithful to Potiphar and was sold out for that. He was faithful in jail. He was faithful to the butler. And he was forgotten. But because Joseph had been, watch this, because Joseph had been faithful in a few things, God made him ruler over many things. God made him ruler over everything. Listen to the words of Jesus, Matthew 25, 23. The Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Do you see what God did for Joseph? And how God used him to save the planet. <laughs> Man, what will he do for you? Some of you, you're really going through it. You're going through a hard time. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a prison of sorts. Some of you are going through difficulty, trial. You're going through, through times of great hurt. God wants to use it all together for your good. God wants to take that and use it. He wants to so use it in your life in a way that he can get great glory out of your life. What will he be saying to you at the judgment seat of Christ? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I want you to rule with me in my kingdom. Be found faithful, even in the midst of trial. It's been two full years and it just doesn't seem like it's getting any better. God's either with you or he's not. He's either gonna keep his promises or he's not. Brothers and sisters, stay full of faith, amen? Don't let trials rob you. So many people, I'm a, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus until the first thing goes wrong and I'll do what I want. I'm like, what? No. Don't let Satan rob you. Be found faithful, steward. It's required of you that you be found faithful. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Let that be the cry of your heart. Okay, last point. Joe went from the prison to the palace in one day. Man, he can't, God is able to get Gilligan off the island. That's what's, I mean, <laughs> glory to God. Psalm 105 speaks of Joseph's imprisonment, release and rise to power. We've referenced this in his life before, but here it is, here's the whole passage. Psalm 105 verse 16, moreover he called for a famine upon the land. He broke the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron until, man, until the time that his word came. Don't miss that picture. The word sets captives free. This is why we gotta be faithful in proclaiming the, the word of the Lord, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord tried him. The king sent and loosed him. 
even the ruler of the people and let him go free. He made him Lord of his house and ruler of all his substance to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his senators wisdom. Brothers and sisters, as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, anytime you find yourself in the pit, you never want, man, I'm praying for you. you don't, your response to that can't be, God, why are you letting this happen to me? God, why are you doing this? Um, if you ask that question, that's okay, but, but don't stay there. Come to a biblically, right, a biblically grounded conclusion. I don't know what God's doing in this, but I am in the pits. This is tough. But so help me God by his grace. I know what he promised in his word, and he's gonna use it all together for my good. I'm gonna go from faith to faith. And if God, if, if, I'm in, if I'm in a prison, if I'm in the pits, if I'm in this trial, the fact that God's with me in that, it's more than enough. I'm, all, I'm of all people most blessed. God's gonna show through. Again, I don't, I don't know who's going through it this morning, but Satan wants to use that to destroy the seed of God's word from your heart and your life. Don't let him, don't let Satan rob you at the judgment seat of Christ. Be found faithful, amen? Um, as they say, I always say we're trying to put a 300 pound gal into a size two dress, and that's just not, that's just not appropriate. Um, Mitch Thompson says we're putting 10 pounds of potatoes in a five pound sack. That's much more tactful. Uh, thank God for Mitch. Um, so I'm learning, I'm, I'm growing, pray for me. Uh, we covered a lot, and so, can I just very briefly pray for you and we'll dismiss and we'll have some leaders down front. Uh, if you need help, maybe you are going through it and you need to know what the word says about your situation. Maybe you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you need to start learning the word of God for yourself. Whatever it is, however God's leading you, we wanna help you with that, all right? But I'm gonna pray, we'll dismiss and then we'll take our break and, and then go to fellowship, all right? Man, brothers and sisters, you're a sight for sore eyes. I'm so glad to... To, to be with you guys again. I love you and I thank God for you. Father, Lord, would you dismiss us with your blessing? Let your word speak and rule over our lives. Lord, would you increase our faith? Help us to be that people that you've designed who are convinced everything you said is true. And you will, you, you will let none of your word fall to the ground. Everything you promised, that's what you'll deliver on. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Let us be a people who go from faith to faith. They that know you will be strong and will do exploits. We trust you for that in Jesus' name, amen.